Now it's time to get the latest from the quarterback of the pack, Aaron Rodgers. It's Tuesdays with Aaron. Here's your host, Jason Wilde. It is the Aaron Rodgers Show. Tuesdays with Aaron. How you doing? I'm good. I'll tell you, Bone Thugs and Harmony just does not get old. It never does. Packers quarterback and NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers. I had someone in the press box ask me, what is that music you play at the start of the show? The greatest He was decade, older than me. The greatest was... decade of music in the history of mankind, <laughs> the 90s. You came of age. Um, hey, before we start, congrats on the uh, NFC North title. You're Thank not wearing you. your hat. No, it's not. It's not a color that matches with my usual wardrobe. The navy that you've gone with today. Well, I'm usually in some shade of blue. I think you can yeah, agree with that, that, which uh, makes me. I mean, if you want to talk about outfits, are you wearing a real ugly red uh, Stanford sweatshirt? Go Cardinal. Um, I would say someday. I would say the the Cal chant that's often associated with people wearing red shirts that goes uh, take off that red shirt, but I don't want to see what's underneath. Yeah, that, I, so I, gonna, I, I'm, I don't gonna blame you. Refrain from that. I just want to tell you, someday you're going to have kids, and you're going to do what I do, which is grab the first thing clean on the top of the pile. I'm just telling oh, you. Oh, I do. You do that already. I do. <laughs> don't be jealous. <laughs> okay, you're just that good. Um, hey, how's the ankle? But it's okay. It's it's all right. I it was actually just telling you off the off the air here. I've uh, I have pretty strong ankles. I've sprained my ankles a number of times over the years. Played basketball, uh, you know, most of my uh, childhood. Um, one thing that I've sworn by, and I will share this, pass on this mini secret, if you will. Brought to you by Prevea. <laughs> I got a story for you about that. No, I don't know, probably can't share it, but uh, ankles. I haven't taped my ankles in like nine years, and I swear by it. Really? Yep. I thought that was like standard operating procedure for every professional I firmly athlete. believe, and and I've had a knee injury for the last 13 years of my, well, not injury, but I hurt my knee like 13 years ago. When I, how old am I? Now, yeah, 14 maybe. Ooh, wow. You're getting up there, buddy. Yeah, 14 years ago. And uh, when you, I believe that when you tape the ankle joint, that the uh, the pressure goes up your leg to the next joint. So the knee obviously undertakes more of the, uh, the pounding uh, when you lock up that ankle joint. And I've not worn uh, tape on my ankles uh, my entire uh, NFL career, and um, I believe that that helps helps you strengthen those ankles. And so when you do have a, a twist like the one I had, which was pretty significant uh, in in the game, um, uh, here I am a couple of days later, and and uh, there's no doubt I'll play Sunday. Do you do extra special? exercises yeah. to strengthen your ankles. Yeah, I do a lot of proprioception exercises. What work. does that mean? Well, it's it's uh it's mostly working on the uh the balance and the uh um how your foot reacts with an unstable um surface and teaching your brain to be able to balance and use the the balancing muscles in your uh your ankles and uh shin and um calf and do a lot of those in the off season and so you stand it on top of one of those like Swiss balls or something? Not a Swiss ball, but maybe one of the half the half thing. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Thank you. You knew what I meant. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the half bubble there. But yeah, and you do some stuff with your, uh, you know, both feet, one foot, eyes open, eyes closed, that kind of stuff. I feel like that strengthens your ankle, and then uh, the not taping, I think, has really, really helped me. And then you do your posture stuff. Do my you. posture stuff. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, the uh, the NFC North title, which we mentioned, I know you have more work to do, obviously, but reflect on that. I mean, considering where you were. And considering where this season could have gone, I know Mike McCarthy said, I'm not a drama queen, we got more work to do, but I do think it's an accomplishment. I'm so proud of our guys. I really am. I'm just so proud of the effort they put in, uh, how we stuck together. You know, it was a time early in the season where at two and three, a lot of people were coming after us and talking about uh, wasted opportunities. You know, uh, we were not going to have any success this season, uh, you know hangover from the 15 and one year and we just kind of banded together and believed in ourselves and the leadership stepped up and uh continued to keep guys focused um there wasn't panic and we got the thing turned around we've won uh eight of nine and put ourselves in a good position here obviously we still uh, would love to you know get a first round by but uh you know we we've ensured our first goal winning the north and getting the home playoff game and 
making the team come to the frozen tundra and uh, hopefully um, give us a better opportunity to get a win. We can talk about it now because you did recover from it, but did you have some concerns at 2-3, and three, or did you feel like, I mean, did you do anything differently before that Houston game? I mean, were you worried that it could that it could take a, a bad turn there and this could be a, a really ugly season? The way things had played out. Yeah, I think you have to you have to have some sort of concern at that point that uh, you're not playing the way you know you're capable of playing. And I think it's just an urgency level, and a lot of times as a leader, you have to be able to set that uh, that tone uh, in week that practice uh, in in that week of practice. So that's what I did that week. I just made sure that I brought the energy and the enthusiasm and the focus, and let guys know that uh, I wasn't gonna. Um, you know, be the one responsible for missing out on this this great opportunity that we have, and hopefully, guys would fall in line. And um, obviously, I can't take all the credit for that. We have a lot of a lot of really good leaders and guys who've who've seen their leadership role increase this season. T.J. Lang, Josh Sitton, Randall Cobb, Morgan Burnett, to name a few. And uh, those guys have played very consistent for us. And it's no surprise that uh, you know those guys have had really good years and helped us you know get back on the right track. And we've won some some close games, some tough games, and. Uh, dealt with some adversity, some injuries, and I think we're better better people and better players because of it. Speaking of adversity, I saw you do an NFL Network interview yesterday, and the guy said, well, you're 11-3, and three, as he was starting the question, uh, and as, as you often do, you, you, I'm glad I'm not the only one who gets corrected, you're not 11-3, and three, you're 10-4, and four, but you should be 11-3. and three. Do you feel like you should be half a game ahead of the 49ers right there, right now for that number two seed, and is that frustrating what do you do with that i think it doesn't really matter what i feel about that i mean it has no bearing on uh the standings and it has no bearing on what's you know what's going to happen i think uh packer fans and just sports fans in general uh, know what the call should have been that night um, but uh you know we're uh, 10 of 4 and we haven't let that affect us i know you and i talked about on the show you know how disappointing that would be if we uh got down to the end of the season and the wild card was um you know, it was hinging on, uh, you know, the fail Mary there. And uh, thankfully we've uh, we've overcome that. I think we're better because of it. The league owes us a, a debt of gratitude, I think, for dealing with that. Yeah. And the Seahawks could now return the favor. I mean, they could do you a solid. I know it wasn't their fault that they I don't call know what one. that means. Do you a solid? Is that an old man reference? I'm yeah, sorry. It's not 90s. Uh, you just said it was the greatest time for music. Apparently not for catchphrases. Yeah, it's um, so new age. They could. They could do you a favor yes by beating the 49ers this week though um so you're a big seahawks fan now at no. least for this week no yeah. still no no um the other thing that happened in the uh, nfl network interview you were asked about that punt return fake play trick play uh and it evoked a fairly pointed response were the guys in the locker room talking about that play afterward and the, the kind of risky nature of it and and what was your concern level with it yeah i think there was something that guys were surprised by um yeah i I think we all just felt that uh at that point that uh you know it was a little bit risky at the time but you know we've had a couple fake plays this season which have been kind of risky and and worked out um that just wasn't one of them the uh the the other thing that i found interesting about the game was the incredible discrepancy between you guys on third down and the Bears on third down. And I know you you and Jay get along great. Um, for those of us on the outside, we don't know him, and that sometimes surprises us, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have quite the weaponry you have, but he had a hard time on third down. They didn't convert a single one. You made some pretty big plays. Now, I want to talk about those plays in a second because I want to save James Jones's catches for inside the helmet. But you called third downs after the game money downs. Um Obviously, they're important because they keep you on the field. But what's different about them, and in what ways is your approach different on third down? Well, I don't really know if the approach is any different. I think it has to be a mindset that, uh, you know, converting at all costs. Uh, that's kind of my approach. Uh, it is the money down. That's where you make your money as a quarterback there and in the red zone, I think, um, because the, there are two different types of situational football that really uh, – are different than the rest of the game. Third down um, is a down where the defense probably spends as much time on third down in their preparation as, as any other part of the game. And they always have a plan 
for for that opponent and uh, a lot of teams can be very standard on first and second down, meaning not a lot of you know crazy looks, and then get very exotic on third down with some different types of fronts and guys walking around and pressures and coverages. Um, you have to be your best on third down, be able to to make protection adjustments and make accurate throws, keep plays alive when uh, when they break down. And in the red zone, the windows are very tight, and uh, the throwing lanes become smaller, and you have to put the ball in very accurate spots in order to uh, to convert those into touchdowns and the teams that have the highest touchdown percentage per red zone drive are usually uh, you know some of the better teams in the league so we're going to go a little heavier on inside the helmet style questions because there were so many plays that i'm interested in um, and hopefully everyone else is too the first one uh, this is the first half of the show we're doing inside i know yeah well because I, 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 I think james the kind of year james has had i think he deserves some more discussion in the second half this the, is the uh, aaron Rodgers show it is yes but it but he's I, your, know, I know um the first one was third and six from your own 34 it's on the first touchdown drive um i don't know which one i like better but that one was the first one take us through that randall that was randall's catch i thought you have this unstoppable memory of uh of things that happen in games. Third and six, uh, you're the shotgun. You, I wrote runs for his life here. Uh, throws it to Randall. Throws it to Randall on the right sideline. There's basically kind three defenders there. Well, you said James game. Jones, yeah, and then, and then you're talking about Randall here. I, I understand what you're saying. You're, you're doing a little foreshadowing. Sort of, yeah. Yes, Sorry. okay. Yeah, third and six, 34, we're down seven, nothing. Uh, second quarter, I played a very poor first quarter, missed a couple gimmies that I should have should have hit. Um we get a uh, a weird look from Chicago. I mean, they came after us more than uh, they have in a while. They, they brought a lot of pressure. Um, wanted to see how we would deal with it. Uh, I was honestly expecting them, uh, Major, to run out of there and then to play what we call two-week invert, where the safety and corner switch responsibilities in a cover two scheme where the corner has uh, kind of like the half of the field and the, and the safety has more curl to flat responsibility. Conti was standing on the end of the line, and they ended up bringing uh, weak pressure, which we didn't have picked up. So as a drop back, I knew that, that John was going to get the most dangerous, and he left uh, Nick Roach. Uh, free, which uh, he didn't leave him free. We just didn't have him picked up in the protection scheme, so I knew I had to make a quick decision. Was able to get outside the right side, and uh, Don Barkley did a nice job of not holding. A lot of times when you escape the pocket so quickly, often there's a holding call on the, one of the tackles. Don did a good job of letting go. As I moved to my right, I saw Randall, who had had like an out route on the play initially, take it down the sideline, and uh, and and he gave me a signal that he was going to be taking it uh uh, deep. A lot of times they uh, they hook it up or move to a, a friendly uh, open area, uh, but he was going to take it down the sideline. So I checked inside to make sure I didn't have anybody wide open inside. And um, safety was in the middle of the field. Major Wright was still in the middle of the field. And um, honestly, when I let it go, it was one of those that I thought I had overthrown him. I'll be honest with you. It it, it came off very well. Um, I did uh, because when you're moving to the right, often you have to aim a little more inside because the ball naturally tails to the right from a, a right-handed player. All your momentum is going right, so it's going to move right even more. Uh, felt good about the aim, and, and when the ball came off, it just came off a little too good, I thought. We've heard that before. But uh, thankfully, in this case, it was uh, not too far, and Randall made an incredible catch. And it was one of those things where, from my vantage point, I couldn't tell whether he got both feet in, and I saw the Chicago defenders on the sideline signaling no catch. So I was initially thinking, let's get a, a hurry. you know, a hurry up and get a playoff. So I'm yelling everybody to get up there and, and snap it, so they have less time to do a potential challenge. But I look over Rando and I and I kind of give him like, did you catch it, eyes? And he's like, he kind of gives the real nonchalant. Hey, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm fine. So I told him, okay, let's huddle up here. We got it. Randall caught it. Everything's fine. Uh, the other third down play then comes. Uh, it actually is on the drive when. Uh, Ryan Grant fumbles, mm-hmm. but it's third and ten from your own twenty-one, and you kind of do a Houdini routine uh, on Peppers, and you find Randall again. Yeah, we had uh, that time. There wasn't a lot of pressure. Uh, I, th- I believe they only brought four on that uh, that rush. Um, nobody was initially open. Stepped up, felt a little void to my left, but as I stepped up, I saw a flash out of the corner of my eye. The defenders, so I kind of spun out of there. And as I spun out of there, Peppers, who's a better athlete than I am, he he was, uh, you know, almost right on top of me. And so I had to move to my right again. 
TJ kind of got a piece of them. Yeah, TJ did. He, he the line did a great job. I mean, they gave me a lot of time to to run around there a little bit. I think uh, you, you laugh with them about, you know, how, how do you like it? I was asking on the bus afterwards. How do you like it when I'm moving around like that? And I said, well, as long as you complete it, it's fine, you know, because it's extra extra effort from those guys when a three second play turns into a seven second play. But on that one, I was able to, to jump up in the pocket, spin out. Stay in the pocket, move to my right, keep my eyes downfield, and uh, Randall does a really nice job of adjusting his route uh, and and finding that stop soft spot. Uh, that is a throw that uh, I feel very comfortable with. I've made that many times. Kind of throw on the run, you throw on slightly across your body and put it where I wanted to, and Randall was able to catch it. And uh, Jermichael got a little bit of a block there and, and got us up across uh, midfield. You. Um... I know we're going heavy on X's and O's here, but I had another thing that happened in the game that I was curious about because we talked about it last week. The return of the slant pass. It's uh, back. It's back. Uh, were you playing a little possum with us there? Did you know that it was going to be in the game plan against these guys, so you kind of downplayed it or, or because it you used it a fair amount on Sunday? What did I tell you last week? Uh, that it doesn't work very well against cover two, and then you explained why. And this week they played a lot more one high safety, played more man and more cover three, and so then the slant comes back. And and does it work when it's two high safeties but they're playing man coverage underneath? Because no, I, because usually two high man is inside leverage for okay. those teams. So because of the way the defense played, that allowed you to bring it back. How valuable is that in your offense when yeah. you're able to? I mean, you throw it well, they catch it well, they run it well. Yeah, it, it can be very, it can be very valuable, but uh, it's just predicated on what, what kind of coverages we're seeing. And if teams are going to be outside leverage teams, and we have to run some in-breaking routes if they're going to take off the, uh, you know, be, be inside leverage teams, and we got to run routes to the outside. So they mix, mixed up a little bit, and we did a good job of adjusting. I thought everybody and their brother had decided that cover two was the way to beat you guys. Well, it just depends. Why you start running the ball that? a little bit in the last couple of weeks, and... Um, you know, we were able to uh, get some more one-high looks. I mean, I think Chicago had a really good game plan. They they had a lot of – they'd always disguise really well, but they brought some pressure. And I think they didn't want uh, me to have a bunch of time back there because they had a couple injuries that they were dealing with, and uh, and they got they got after me a little bit. You uh, you also had a couple of throws down the seam, especially one to Jermichael. Um, was that – what was the defense there? That was fun. Those were, uh, those were cover two looks. You know, kind of attack in the middle there a little bit. Haven't had a bunch of chances to do that. The first one was good coverage. I was able to put it uh, on Randall where I wanted to, and he made a nice catch and run. And the second one was a very similar play to when we played him down there in, in 2010, and I hit uh, Jermichael backed up uh, when Pisa was guarding him, uh, backed up out of our own end zone, and uh, he went up and, and uh, made a nice catch. And this one, Lance had very good coverage, and I put the ball exactly where I wanted it. And uh, and the big fellow's been playing really well. Jermichael's been playing his, his his butt off and made a nice catch, broke a tackle, and uh, turned into a big game. He's been doing a good job for us, made another nice catch on a slant route on a third down, and, and uh, you know, probably would have beat uh, Conti on that one. He got called for pass interference for a touchdown, and it was a big place for us. The, um, the investment that you've put into him in the last six weeks, two months, the guys, the way you guys are meeting, the time you're spending with him, why why was that important for you to do, and how has your relationship evolved? Because he's certainly playing a lot better because of that, I think, or at least in part because of that. Well, I care about my teammates, and I want to, you know, I want to be on the same page with them. And um, you know, with a lot of guys, I have just the open door policy that uh, you know my you know my locker is. Come talk to me. I got time. With some guys, uh, you need to put put a little more time on yourself. And um, yeah, I've enjoyed uh, getting together with J. Mike and, and just talking ball and talking life. And um, he's a big time player. I don't want to take. Uh, I don't want to say that that's the the reason that uh, he's been playing better. I think he's been getting more opportunities. I think he's feeling healthy. He was dealing with a significant shoulder injury early in the season. He's feeling healthy and he's he's running strong and, and making big plays down the field and. Um, he's doing the things that we uh, we know he's capable of doing, so I'm, I'm really proud of him. I think he's been doing a good job, and and uh, we're going to need it down the stretch here. Another guy you've been supportive of is obviously James Jones. He went through some tough times, had some drops in 2010. This team stuck with him, brought him back. You were obviously a proponent of that. Just how good does it feel to watch him have the kind of season he's had? The guy's leading the league in touchdown catches. Who would have thought? 
Who would have thought? Maybe you. Maybe me. I'm real proud of James. I really am. I think I think he's done a great job. His approach is excellent. Uh, the preparation that he puts in, uh, the way he practices now. I think one guy you got to give some credit to is Edgar Bennett. I think the way that he's uh, coached those guys, um, emphasizing ball security and detailing your routes and your blocking schemes. I think Edgar, Edgar's done a great job with those guys. James, though, is really uh, – I think he's matured as a, as a player and person. He, uh, you know, he's had a, a kid. I was, I was trying to get named uh, Aaron Jones, but uh, didn't, didn't quite get that worked in there. But, uh, but little uh, James Jr., um, I think that's got to do something for you um, mentally and, and with where you're at in life. And I think he just really has realized what's important and, and being a good dad and being a great player is, is important to him, and, and he's done a great job, uh, you know, I can't talk about the, the parent part. I haven't seen a whole lot of that, but I can tell you the player part. He's really done his part to make us a better football team. Um, now look into your crystal ball for 2013 because no, nah, I don't want to. Because Greg Jennings has come out and said that he doesn't expect to be back. He apparently said that on the NFL Network today. Uh, there was a story over the weekend in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about Jermichael not coming back. I mean. You, you think about your offense, and you've obviously faced some challenges without some weaponry this season because of injuries, but the idea of, of an offense without both of those guys, I mean, does that concern you? Like, not ideal, I would think. No, you'd love to have both those guys back. Um, I'm going to trust I'm going to trust Ted and, and, and what, he's, uh, what he's done to build this team. I'm also, you know, have to think that uh, – you know, it's going to be hard not to make some sort of offer at a guy like Greg. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to be asking for, but uh, but he's one of the top receivers in the league, and obviously we'd love to have him. So it's uh, It has been a challenge with him being out, and then he comes back and Jordy comes back. I know you're close with Jordy. You're close with all your guys. Do you have a feeling like you could get, two games with all your guys to get ready for the playoffs i mean it, it'd be nice it'd be nice to see kind of what uh you know who's going to be playing what role and what kind of stuff we can do with them uh, it, it's been difficult you know shuffling guys around and not having everybody uh at full strength i mean you think about the injuries we've had um all those guys have dealt with something at some point um but you know obviously jermichael's been hurt and jordy's been hurt and greg's been hurt significantly and you know it's been uh it's been hard uh not having all those guys, but uh, hopefully we can get them back at the right time, get Charles back on defense, and kind of see what we could look like as a, as a nearly full-strength team. That leads me to a, another question, and it's about you. Mm-hmm. Um, the discussion is obviously Adrian Peterson and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady at the top of the MVP discussion. I don't think you're going to repeat, but yeah, your numbers... Just wait. It's not over yet. Two games left. Um so your numbers aren't what they were last year. They're still good, obviously. But do you think you've been a better quarterback this year based on the adversity you've faced, based on what defenses have done to you? Do you think you've actually played better, even if the numbers don't indicate that? Or well, am I wrong? Let's wait until the last couple of games and, and, and kind of compare at the end. I, I think we've faced a lot more uh, adversity as a team. I think the kind of looks that we've seen have been um, you know, a lot more passive on defense than we faced last year teams have uh, resigned to playing a lot of two shell and some very soft coverages uh, instead of kind of coming after us uh, i feel like I've, I've i've played pretty well you know obviously there's there's always plays you want uh, you want back but uh, you know i feel like i've played the way that uh, i've been playing my entire career taking care of the football for the most part throwing at a high percentage getting us in good situations and making the most of my opportunities you know some years it all comes together and you throw 45 touchdowns and six picks and some years you have to grind it out a little more a bit more and uh, both are fulfilling uh, this one may be slightly more than last year because we've had to go through even more uh, on offense and more injuries to uh, to some of the skill positions and and uh, continue to to stay within myself and the system you saw this coming right this challenge though i mean the the day you won the mvp i wasn't in Indianapolis, but Tom Silverstein and Kareem Copeland were there. They caught you right away. And the first thing you kind of said to them when they were talking about what do you do to as an encore, and then we talked about it on the show afterward, was it's going to be hard to replicate these numbers. You knew that t- teams were going to approach you guys this way. You probably didn't know the injuries were coming, but you kind of felt like teams were going to 
say we got to do something else against these guys? You got to, and, and even in talking with uh, Jeff Saturday, who obviously played with Peyton for a number of years, I mean that's how teams, you know, played Peyton after after he threw forty nine touchdowns, and it's you have to you have to try and um, slow slow a team down that does something really well, and we you know we threw it and caught it really really well last year to the tune of fifty one touchdowns. I mean that's pretty incredible when you count in Matt's six against Detroit. Um, you had to find a way to, to or, or a remedy to try and slow things down. And for most teams, that was playing a lot of cover two and kind of daring you to run the football and trying to keep everything in front of them. The uh, the one other thing from the game I wanted to ask you about because it hasn't happened, I'm sure, as much as you guys would like it to. You doubled up. Now double up. What is that? It's the double up. <laughs> is that on the sideline? It's the double up song we sing, we're uh, singing nice. at, half, at halftime. Um, now, Casey Hayward's interception allowed that to happen because you had the ball before that and you guys weren't able to convert. How does that change the game? I mean, I know the game wasn't over, over at that point, but 14 points in that span when the other team, all they got to do was go into the halftime locker room and their offense never was on the field. That's, that's It's the double deal. up, man. It's the... Uh... It's got its own jingle. We love the discount double up. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's pretty nice. special. Yeah, gotta gotta get that in there. But uh, yeah, I think that's part of the reason that I, that I think that the Fern is is uh, is great because one, it puts your defense out there with the chance to uh, you know with the kicker that we have, they can put it in the end zone deep and start them on the twenty, get a three and out, get good field position, and then have the opportunity to potentially get a double up um, at uh, at halftime. Can. Uh, you know, it can be pretty awesome. It can we've you know we've done it a few times and, and it's really changed ball games. I, I remember the Minnesota game at the Dome a couple of years back. Uh, we led ten uh, three. Jermon got a pick. We went down. We scored. James caught a uh, fade route for a touchdown to go seventeen three. We got the ball first possession of the second half. Drove it down. Uh, hit Greg on uh, on a pass. He broke a tackle and next thing you know it's twenty four to three in uh, in a short amount of time and that's when you can really uh, change the dynamic of a game, break a team's will potentially, but you know, really take take a team uh, out of what they want to do and make them one-dimensional. Let's do our D-list question before we go to halftime. And uh, Drew and Dan with a question that is on everyone's mind. Oh, uh, it was in the NFL Network interview. It was probably asked 15 times in Ask Aaron questions. Your critique... Of the Clay Matthews sack celebration. Now, you went and saw Donald Driver live at Dancing with the Stars, so this is your chance to be Carrie Ann Anaba. What, uh, what did you think of uh I think I need to channel movie? my inner, inner Bruno right now because <laughs> I thought it was unbelievable. I loved it. I loved it. It was incredible. Uh, do you do a Bruno voice? No, I, mean, I don't do a Bruno voice, but uh, it was amazing. I mean, the timing... That he had, I mean, everybody's expecting the uh, the predator there. Yes, and for him to bust that out, that was incredible. I mean, I gave Clay a lot of credit. He's really uh, he's changed. He's you know he comes out with an amazing commercial that's semi self deprecating, but it's more his personality with the fatheads. And then he, the next thing you know, he's doing a little uh, a little now, hip. I- hip gyration dance now i'm not a wrestling guy you grew up in your in during the 90s wrestling was a, a something that you got you and your brothers watched oh right? yeah apparently ravishing rick rude is the source of this move is i didn't that, hear that but uh sources that's close amazing. to wrestling tell me that yeah that's awesome so my follow-up for that then is what was your so you did kind of this chest on your heart kind of thing and then a pulling motion what was that Ah, that's a good question. I'm not quite sure. I actually had thought about something really ingenious to say, but I, it evades my mind right now. Well, we'll how about we go to halftime? If it comes to you, we can come back to it. Yeah, sure. All right, we will do that then. While uh, the quarterback tries to figure out why he did the celebration he did, we will take a break and come right back with the second half. We'll do Inside the Helmet. We'll look ahead to the Titans and do our Ask Aaron questions as well. You are listening to the Aaron Rodgers Show. Pearl Jam bringing us back for the second half of the Aaron Rodgers show. Tuesdays with Aaron. You are one heck of a air guitarist. How's the real guitar going? Good. I've been playing actually a lot more. You would uh, 
You would know if you felt my uh, the end of my fingertips here. You can you can always tell. I'll take your word for it. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to touch my fingernails, but or tips. Uh, but yeah. What's know, in the repertoire? Funny story that you just uh, you just told me that you just made me think of. Somebody asked me one time what uh, what instruments I play, and I said I'm I'm a big time air drumist. And they said, Wow, I've always wanted to to play one of those. I said, Yeah, I'm the best. Yeah. Did you, didn't get did you do lessons? It. it was way over their head. Yeah. Uh, what have I been playing lately? I've been playing. Uh, well, I love County Crows. Adam Duritz and I are buddies, and uh, got Cal to meet guy. him in uh, in college. And I love uh, love his music. So I've been playing a lot of uh, a lot of his stuff. Uh, you know, Mr. Jones is uh, one of my favorite. Holiday in Spain. Uh, I've been playing some of those. Uh, when Brett uh, Good and I get together, he always has some some new stuff uh, to work on. Um, Little Wagon Wheel by uh, Bob Dylan or old old. Bob Dylan originally wrote the song, but uh, a little bit of that. What else here? Um, you guys got another coffee shop gig upcoming? No, 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 not at all. Brett's got a good song though. He wrote a song. It's, he wrote one. He wrote a song. It's pretty incredible. Wow. Maybe we can get him to record it, and we can use it after uh, halftime. We should. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be good. I'll, I'll talk to him about it. Let's uh, let's go inside the helmet. And as discussed previously, you had three touchdowns all the james jones and then i have one other play i wanted to ask you about uh let's start with the first touchdown a 29 yarder third down third down third and four i want to say maybe third and four third and four they played a one high coverage man coverage he had one-on-one on uh, kelvin hayden um was really thinking probably uh hitting jermichael on that play it was going to be run across him route but uh as with a lot of plays, you kind of give somebody else uh, just a look to see how they get off, knowing that you probably got uh, the underneath guy eventually. Um, and so as I glanced out uh, the corner of my eye to, to James, I saw him get a good release and held the safety in the middle of the field and was able to put uh, to put a good throw out there. James ran a, just had a conversion uh, fade down the sideline. And, what does that mean, conversion fade? Well, it was a shorter route that sometimes converts depending on what the coverage is. And uh, we made a little uh, eye contact signal and uh, he had, uh, you know, so he had a fade route on that one and got off good. Used his hands to uh, to uh, kind of avoid the uh, the press attempt, the jam attempt by uh, by Hayden, and got enough separation uh, to give me a chance to put a, a decent throw on him and uh, did a nice job picking his feet up and getting in the end zone. The second one, which comes after the interception by Casey Hayward, uh, is on second and goal from the eight it's an eight yard touchdown again to james jones yeah this was uh, a real good uh, play setup i think we had uh, a lot of things working on this play we had jermichael split out to his own side which always kind of defines what the defense is going to be because they have to make a decision on whether they want to play a man coverage or or put a safety over there to to try and avoid uh, avoid us throwing up a jump ball um so really was thinking Jermichael initially in the huddle. As we talked about it, we had a three-man combination on the backside with Greg running down the middle. Actually hit him in 2010 down there uh, on a similar play for a touchdown uh, in tight on our opening possession. Um, so I had Greg in the slot again. Uh, or actually, there was three receivers, so Randall's in, or James in the slot. Uh, Greg was inside. Um, they came out, played two shell, uh, just kind of gave a – uh, shoulder uh, shoulder fake out to Jermichael, who had two guys on him and uh, and wasn't a good option. Um, the safety uh, the safety was kind of hugging uh, Greg inside, so he kind of had two guys on him. Him and Roach was running down the middle, and James just had an underneath route and beat uh, um, beat DJ Moore and, and made a nice catch and was able to get in the end zone there. So that was just uh, kind of going through your progressions there and, and finding the open guy. Before we get to the third one, did it dawn on you what you were cel- how you were celebrating what that was? Did you figure that out during halftime here or the chest thing? Nah, it's too long of an explanation. I don't want to. I don't want to bore well, our listeners here. The, the few that that's my there. job. Uh, all right, then the third touchdown comes uh, after halftime. As we talked about, you doubled up. You converted a fourth and six during the course of that drive with a pass to. Right. Cobb, which I believe was the play that resulted in that. No, no, it wasn't. That was a third down play. Okay, we already talked about it. Oh, okay, uh, first and goal from the six, and the back shoulder. It's back for one throw. <laughs> it was like it was like old school Sunday. You were doing all kinds of things. That 
throw immediately I, I had a flash in my in my mind of when I hit James on a ninety two duo X fly against the Cleveland Browns in two thousand eight at Cleveland. Love that play. Yeah, it was just, it was a late in the game and and or not late in the game. It was in the fourth quarter, and I hit him on a back shoulder, almost the exact same coverage, uh, uh, or you know tightness of coverage and and same spot. In that situation, we had uh, we really had four guys going out in the pattern. Uh, was not thinking James was just going to give him a look, and and usually uh, you kind of pump over that way to open up things on the backside. Which if you watch the film. Uh, Tom Crabtree looked like they they kind of lost him. Two guys ran with Jermichael down the middle, and Tom was coming wide open on the backside. But um, I, I gave uh, in practice I was only given the 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 vertical route over there that James is running, kind of one little hop back from center. But I gave a hop back, and and Peanut didn't turn his head. I, I thought he would put his hands on James and maybe get his head back and look inside. He didn't, so I gave him a second hop and another chance to turn his head inside because the last thing I want to do is throw an interception on the goal line there. And uh, I had I pulled the trigger and put it in a, in a good spot and was able to to get a touchdown there against a really good defender and, and a savvy one. I was surprised he didn't turn his head back, but uh, for whatever reason we were able to fit that ball in there tight, and James did a good job of uh, – kind of holding his hands to the last minute and putting him out there and bringing it in. Off topic, um, somebody asked me last week how many pick sixes you've thrown. And I think it's one. one. What Do you remember what Tampa. it was? Tampa. I believe. That was it. Uh, did you throw any in college or anything? Uh, no. Is that... It's I mean, a no-no. That, yeah, I mean, that's a huge momentum turning play is there what kinds of things can you do to avoid those because hustle and make a tackle turn them back inside a ginge like tackle like he had on the punt that was awesome um, he was feeling himself pretty good i bet he was one. and yeah. after the last punt i was teasing about how he freaked out his celebration a little bit he was going crazy but that was a good punt. but seriously in terms of like whether it's the yeah. situation or not just the tackling aspect yeah. of it like you had with Erlacher, but generally speaking what what kinds of things do you have to be careful about because that sounds like a play where that could potentially happen if you a lot of times there's a pick six it's a transition interception meaning the guy has has made a good break on the ball uh to get a pick there's there's very few of the you know he deep safety catches it is able to weave through everybody and uh, and make a you know a, t- a long touchdown interception run a lot of times it's uh you know he breaks on an out route you throw it inside he runs back for a touchdown or or you know it's a it's a crossing route where the defender's on the run catches on the run is able to get a touchdown. Um, now there's the occasional tip pass where you know you might get rocked, the ball tipped, guy picks it. You know you can't do anything about it, but uh, you just try and avoid avoid those transition picks and, and be smart with the football. And uh, for the most part, I've I've done that the majority of my career. So the the ones like Charlie Peppers in San Diego are rare. Those are rare. Okay. Yeah, those take uh, you know some offensive guys not not hustling as much and some defensive guys making some good blocks. Uh, the final play from inside the helmet that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, McCarthy told me that I should ask you about it on the show because I asked him about it and I didn't get really a straight answer. Now, I did get a straight answer from Tom uh, Clements about it, the hit that you took from Peppers. Uh, Tom said that you have to you have to recognize that that's coming. Is that? Tom said that? He did. My Ex- old partner, Tom, <laughs> man, getting after me a little bit. He's exactly right. Tom's exactly really? right. Really? Yeah. All right, so take us through that play because both both – from what you or the offense sees there, because it sounds like the Bears did something you weren't expecting and probably made a mistake, and it had to work out for him. Oh, yeah, Jermichael was wide open. He was jumping up and down. Yeah. Won the ball there. Uh, <laughs> sorry, J. Mike, I didn't see it. <laughs> I come up there, and I said, there is no way in God's green earth that this guy is going to come, because they had seven guys up there. Yeah. Now, which guy? Well, the uh, – the guy to the to the tight end side there. The, okay, so major right the safety. No, major was on the back side, I believe. Okay. I think it was Conti who was up there. Okay, uh, we're in a protection where if all seven of those guys come, we got six blockers, so we can't pick it up. Um, which I obviously know that, but I'm thinking to myself, this guy on the strong side has got to be guarding Jermichael because the only other safety is on the back side of the formation, and there is no way they're going to run this empty empty pressure. But sure enough, they ran the empty pressure. <laughs> so. There's sometimes when you've you've done so many reps in a game and seen so many different looks that you just forget to do the most basic elementary thing, just check your hot. 
if I had checked my height, I hit Jermichael, it's first down without the rough in the pass. I probably don't have to take that big shot from Pep. Uh, but instead, you know, I, I dropped back, and right as I felt the crowd and a guy bearing down on me, I, I knew right away I should have checked my hot. So all I could do at that point is one hop, one to Greg, and uh, and took a shot. So that's one of those things where you just unfortunately just don't do a basic thing you've done a hundred times because you just know in your mind that look they're giving you, they can't possibly bring that guy on the strong side, and they do. They kind of screwed up a little bit. You have Jermichael wide open, and uh, instead you take a big shot, and uh, luckily we got the call there. So two follow-ups to that. One, so you can feel that. Yeah. Uh, what, I don't understand a, what that means. Tell me what that means. Well, you can just kind of feel the There's the, the uh, <laughs> it's a noise. You just feel some sort of <gasps> you hear the noise that uh, you're about to get rocked. Really? Yeah. Thank you to the crowd. They help out a lot sometimes. And then sometimes you get the occasional lookout block from your <laughs> from your lineman. That was not the case. Marshall did exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He squeezed on the on the most dangerous. And I had again I had Jim Michael jumping up and down right there for for a first down. I didn't do the basic thing looking at the hot and uh paid the price, uh my body. How uh how did you feel after that hit? I honestly didn't feel bad at all. Really? Yeah. I I'm, he got me in a in a spot. Um, the it head that wasn't that wasn't wasn't too bad. Now you you've seen the play since. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is a penalty. There were some Bears it looks fans like who didn't it. think yeah, so. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Uh, and then were you a little bit surprised? You had a nice little one-liner about the how hard your helmet must have been. Were you a little surprised to turn around and see Peppers? Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. If somebody had hit him afterwards or fallen on him or something. Uh, Pep is a freak athlete, and he's going to be. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer when he's done playing. Um, for whatever reason, there's been a couple times where uh, he's, uh, you know, he's roughed me up pretty good. I told him on the field, I, I thought this was a pretty good line. I said, Pep, you just have to remember, you're 6'7", and I'm trying to push 6'2". In order for you to hit me in the proper spot, you just have to bend down a little bit more, uh, which we had a little laugh about. But uh, So you, you, you have a good relationship with it? Because that hit that he put on you in the NFC Championship game, from the outside perspective, it looks like a guy who had two concussions in the game and him putting his crown of his helmet into your face mask trying to knock you out. I legitimately think that there was zero malice and zero attempt to injure me or, or hit me in a dirty way from uh, from Julius. On that play, okay. on the play on Sunday, um, and against Carolina when he hit me on the sidelines, I don't think that uh, that he plays the game that way. Okay. Um, I think he, he tries to play within the rules. He just, uh, you know, he's the biggest, fastest, strongest guy on the field, and um, he just needs to bend down a little bit more, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, he is a, he he played basketball, didn't he, at, at yeah. Carolina for a while? Um, I, don't know right. if, I don't know if he could block my hook shot. I got a nice little jump hook. Is, it's it's almost do? unblockable. Yeah, okay. Uh, we talked about that last week, though. You don't play basketball yeah. anymore. Um, Horse. Yeah. Well, let's get to let's look ahead to the Titans this week. An uncommon opponent, as you like to say. You mentioned earlier in the show that you watched Monday Night Football. I think we've talked about this before. When your upcoming opponent is on Monday Night Football, it's nice. Do you watch? I mean, you seriously watch it not for entertainment purposes, but no, to try I and watch things it, out. I mean, or? Yeah, I watch it for entertainment purposes. To you know, sometimes when you watch it on a film, you you don't get the first and last name when you're watching the opponent. You you might not have a you know familiarity with with those guys so you know you get the full bio and uh, get to hear about them and they were talking about uh you know number 55 a bunch last night and and uh in his story and um yeah obviously griffin had a couple picks last night i can't say it was the most entertaining game i've watched in a while but uh you know good win for the titans and uh and their coaching staff and their players chris johnson is still one of the fastest players in the league i mean that run was uh it was more about him just being a better athlete than everybody on the field. Uh, you know, he got some good blocking and made a, made a, the proper cut. And he's a dynamic running back. He really is. Um, so it, it, their defense looks like they can really get after you with a with a lot of uh, a lot of different types of fronts and pressures. And um, you know, they definitely uh, brought five, six, seven guys uh, multiple times last night. So it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of what their plan is coming in against us. A little uh, breaking news out of. New York. Uh, Mark Sanchez has, in fact, been benched. Uh, McElroy, not 
Tebow will start for the Jets. So a little bit of that for our Jets fans who don't get nearly enough media coverage. Uh, do you do you like the fact? I, I kid, but you've mentioned this before. Do you kind of like the fact that the teams like the Jets and you know these? There's a lot of teams that get a lot more attention than you guys. Do you really think that you guys are better off when that when you're under the radar, as you like to call it? Without a doubt, without a doubt, I think. Um, you know, it's not something that we need. We're fortunate to play in a, you know, in a in a smaller market and uh, not have a, an owner. Uh, we're just uh, we like to take on the persona of our, um, you know, our our friends that uh, that live here. You know, just be a, be a blue collar team, kind of um, fly on the radar. That's that's how we like to do it. Now, obviously, it's hard to when you win a lot of games, but. Um, or when you're on TV for commercials, like some of us have, but uh, I think we're fortunate to play in a, in a in an area that really uh, you know is a is a great place to live and, and raise a family and um, has some great Midwest values and and we like to uh, to focus here in Green Bay about the team and, and not about uh, individual players or uh, anything like that. Well, let's get to our Ask Aaron questions and then get you out of here. The your opportunity to ask Aaron a question, you can do it via Twitter with the hashtag AskAaron, or you can email me. There was a few of those this week. The first one comes from Bridget. I, I got a kick out of this. She said, unfortunately, I celebrated Aaron Rodgers' day by hitting a cow on the highway on the drive home from work and totaling my car. Wow. Uh, yeah, a cow. Um, she says, I've also hit a deer and have had near misses with a bear and a wolf in northern Wisconsin. I don't know where Bridget is doing her driving, <laughs> but it's dangerous. Uh, have you ever hit an animal when you're driving, or have you had any animals dart out in front of you, whether it's in northern California or during your drives to and from Milwaukee, whatever it might be? Yeah, I've, I've had a couple uh, a couple interesting uh, interesting drives. Um, one in particular, there was uh, it was probably two or three years ago. And we had a real bad. Uh, it was actually blizzard conditions, um, you know, with the with the snowfall over a 24-hour period and, and the visibility. And I was driving home, and literally the visibility was probably 200 feet. And in that 200 feet, I saw a deer about in the middle of the street and a deer on um, on the side of the road, but barely on the side of the road. And I couldn't couldn't swerve at all i just had to go dead straight i was going about 45 miles an hour and it, you know 200 feet when you're going 45 miles an hour is uh, not much right and i just stayed straight and just hope they didn't move and i went right through them thankfully but i mean i've hit a bunch of uh you know probably uh, possums and squirrels unfortunately and hopefully no raccoons but it, why hopefully no raccoons? Well, i like raccoons. you're a raccoon yeah, guy kind of raccoon guy is that is that an issue in uh in northern california i mean are the, is there where you live or where you grew Northern up. Northern California, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of animals. I'm guessing there's not quite as many. In not many cows that kind of get out, no, but... Uh, probably not. Yeah. Um, you did something interesting when you were filming the uh, the stuff that you did with Associated Bank. And I had a flashback to that with Eric's question. He says, what is your mental process for making pre-snap reads? Do you have a particular method of how you scan the field, how much of that method is predicated on the defense that you're playing? For example, when you play a team like the 49ers, do you begin your read with where Alden Smith is lined up, or do you work from the secondary forward? You went through all the decisions that you go through. It was one of the more fascinating things I've seen you do. I guess I'm kind of asking you to replicate that. I've done that like twice this week already in the last calendar week. Really? Not for me, though. I know. Or not for us. I'm sorry. It's not about There's me. a lot that goes into it. There's, there's a lot. I mean, I've said, you know, I'll just, I'll just kind of summarize. Um, when I break the huddle, I want to be thinking about the adjustments I need to make, not the play. I, I, that's why you need to become an expert of your offense first. That's probably a quarterback's uh, number one task. Learn the offense in and out to so where it becomes second nature. So once I'm breaking out, I'm immediately thinking about um, uh, protection, what kind of adjustments I can make, uh, what kind of look would give us some issues, and then go right into uh, what I think I'm going to see. Um, you know, that paired with uh, I like to, to see something kind of in my mind's eye, if you will, um, visualize uh, either the play, that play that was called, the rep that we had that we can practice, or something I saw on film, or something I was uh, daydreaming about um, when that play got called. 
just so I have some sort of positive picture in my mind or something I want to learn from. Uh, as I'm breaking the huddle, that all happens in a matter of probably about a second, second and a half. I when I get close to the line, um, you know, there's there's different things that I look for. Obviously, um, you know, the first thing that I like to do is uh, is make sure everybody's in the right uh, vicinity of where they're supposed to be lined up. Um, make sure we've got seven on line of scrimmage. Make sure the guys are in the proper uh, splits and positions and backfield alignments, and that that's a very quick thing that has to has to be just a quick glance. Uh, but I'll know if somebody's out of place by that quick glance, and that's something you you you, you practice doing when you're when you're taking your practice reps. And then uh, at the line, you have to you know depend on what team you're playing. There's various guys you might look f- look for to get a key, whether it's a linebacker, or a safety, or a corner, corner depth, safety width. Um, some teams. Uh, talk more than other teams, um, give signals potentially. Uh, the defensive line can can often tell you what kind of uh, uh, defensive alignment to expect from the secondary, what kind of role you're going to get, what kind of coverage, one high, two high, quarters, combo coverage, man, zone, uh, often. And that all comes from your preparation. And then uh, right before the snap, you want to make sure that uh, you get a quick peek at the play clock and, uh, and, and get ready for your at-the-snap read, which is often – uh, one person or uh, or two people, and and then you go into your post snap read, and um, you know kind of try and make a play from there. The uh, that's I still think that's really interesting. The, the next question comes from Craig, um, in wake of the Newtown tragedy, he, and he has he, this is the second time he's asked a really interesting question that I know connected with you the first time he did it. He said a fear of mine for quite a while has been stadium security, and after Friday's tragedy, for me it's really ratcheted up. I attended the game Sunday. And there was little or no security. The man sitting next to me had smuggled in an entire bottle of whiskey, and others had smuggled in cans of beer. These very well could have been a weapon, and it freaks me out a bit. Now, I think they do the wanding at the stadium. Uh, Do you feel safe inside stadiums when you play, and are you confident in the security procedures that are in place to keep not only you safe but the fans you had mentioned the play in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. Uh, The play was in 2005, but... Do you worry about that kind of stuff? I think that's a great question, but um, but I think in answering it, you have to you have to know that it's not something that we think about. I really don't. Uh, you know, I speak for most of my teammates. I think when I say it's just not something that you think about uh, somebody being able to get some sort of weapon inside the stadium or be able to uh, to hurt you when you're on the field. You know, hopefully that will uh, will always be the case. That that it won't be it won't be possible. I can say that um, I haven't attended as a fan. Um, hardly any games. I think I've attended two games at defense. Or three, actually, now. I attended a game back um, in 2005, two in 2005. I went to a Niner game, and I also went to uh, the Super Bowl that year, and I went to the Super Bowl this past year as a uh, guest uh, guest analyst on NBC and then watched the game. I can tell you that security presence at those games, those three games, the one in San Francisco and the two Super Bowls, um, I thought was, was heavy. You know, I thought it, it was... Um, multiple layers, obviously the Super Bowl, multiple places to, to get checked through. Um, I think, in general, the best thing that you can say is that uh, there has to be some sort of policing from the fellow fan. And that's a way to, to fully try and prevent some of these things, is that uh, there has to be an awareness uh, you know, from those fellow fans uh, on you know what to, what to be alert for and, and look for anybody doing anything sus- suspicious and and that's going to be the best way the police are going to do exactly what they can the security are but it you know often takes uh, you know somebody just being a good citizen and, and making sure that uh, they're thinking about their their fellow person um, if they see something kind of suspicious did you um did you have trouble focusing uh, on work Friday after you heard the news from Newtown? I, I I actually ended up talking to Jeff Saturday about something else in the locker room, and he brought it up to me. He said, "I've got three kids who'd all be in the school at the same time." I mean, it really struck Jeff hard. I know you guys did the moment of silence before the game. That was that something that was on your mind. I can tell you that from. Uh, Friday when I heard about it, uh, I had some obviously some stuff I got to do Friday with my presentation and whatnot. But I went home and I watched uh, I watched coverage Friday. It's most of Saturday we traveled to Chicago. I didn't uh, didn't really leave the, uh, the Weston. I, I was wanted to catch up on some sleep, but um, I had the news on the entire time and I was uh, you know just trying to process it really personally. I mean, 
don't have any kids. Uh, I, I love spending time with kids and got to know a bunch through the Mac Fund, obviously, and, and a lot of my friends have kids that age. Um, some of our teammates do. Can't imagine what that would be like. Uh, just can't imagine uh, how someone could possibly do that. My prayers have been all week with uh, with those families affected and um, the city of Newtown, and um, it's it's a rough it's a rough deal. But uh, somebody said something really powerful on one of the shows. They said uh, said we have these uh, these shootings that happen, and, and it's something that's in the news for a couple of days, and people kind of forget about it and get on with their lives. I just hope that uh, because of the uh, the age of these these kids who were murdered and and, and it really i think for whatever reason it, it's gotten as much or more than any of these recent shootings i hope we can learn from this one that uh this is not something that uh, we want to be a two-day in our minds and then we don't think about it anymore hopefully we can learn from this and um, whether there has to be some sort of legislation or political is not for me to say i'm not going to turn this show into that but uh but I hope that we can learn from this and look for the signs more and, and not ever have something like this happen and, and keep this on our minds because these are things that um, affect all of us directly or indirectly. And um, this needs to be something that we learn from. And, and we we just can't be continue to be okay with these things happening, dealing with them emotionally and watching on TV for a couple of days and moving on and being able to live our lives normally. Amen. Uh, unfortunately, there's no good conversational segue from this. Um, and so I'm going to have to ask you a more silly question to lighten the mood. Okay. Uh, Teresa wants to know, have you gotten any payback yet for the shaving cream prank from John Kuhn and your guy Ginge, who was involved in it? Yes, I've gotten plenty of payback on both of them. Uh, none that I want to share directly, uh, because most of the pranks uh, have yet to be uh, attributed to me directly. Um, but, oh, uh, you're a behind-the-scenes prankster now. Yeah, but I've gotten both of them back a bunch of times, and uh, there'll be more more to come. I'm going to do at least one public prank before the end of the season on uh, on John Ginge. He's kind of an easy target, so I've, I've exhausted uh, a lot of time on uh, getting him back. The, uh, the next question comes from Nick. Will you be growing your playoff beard this year? You grew one for the 2010 playoffs, just saying. No plans right now. No plans. You're not. You're not. You're not really superstitious, are you? You're really a little bit. I, I mean, wear the same underwear every game or anything like that. No, I, these jeans actually that I'm wearing are like 17 and two, and I wear these on game day. But uh, who's counting? <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of pranks, Matt uh, is wondering: Was that a real cigarette or a candy cigarette in this week's photo bomb? <laughs> And there was another question, and i sorry to take this away from whoever asked it because I can't find their name right now, but if that was a uh, homage to the website uh, Smokin' Jay Cutler. <laughs> Not intentionally. However, I, in the past week I, I was made privy to that uh, that site and ha- and saw some of the pictures on that Smokin' Jay site. Um, fairly <laughs> comical. That was a reaction. We didn't really have any anything planned i was thinking about doing uh, just a an old school pick where we just kind of happened to be in the background but uh, was given uh, it was actually a smelling salt was given that right before the picture and just ran over and put that in my mouth you know just thought it was kind of ironic you're you're not advocating smoking by any means not at all the uh the smelling salts have you had those administered before to you no i haven't Really? You personally administer them to myself. Okay, well, whoever, uh, how, what do they smell? I mean, what is it? I've never had that. It's before. not a good smell. Does it really it's wake you up? How does it work? Yeah, it's, it's, it, uh, you take an inhale of that and, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Two more. One uh, comes from Derek. Uh, obviously, Mason Crosby has been talked about a lot uh, as he's trying to kind of get back in his rhythm. He wants to know, what do you do during a field? goal attempt do you sit down on the bench are you watching uh does it depend on whether the kick is kind of a run-of-the-mill kick or toward the end of the game what's your action on a on a kick for a field goal it actually depends on on what time what part of the game it is uh early in the game i'm often on the on the bench looking at the pictures by right. then later in the game uh if it's a kick to put us up two scores i'm usually uh, on the sidelines trying to will that thing uh through the uprights um but uh you know, let me just say this: um, Mason is our kicker. You've got his back too. I do. Uh, and finally, from Dan, since this is our last show before Christmas, 
the best Christmas present you've ever given, which I think it's interesting that Dan would put that first. He obviously listens to you and listens to the show. And the best gift you've ever received. That's good order there. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's very good. Dan? Is that Dan? Dan, yeah. Thank you, Dan. Good job. Good on you. Uh, <laughs> best gift I've given. Oh, man. Waffle maker? No, that might be the best gifts I've received. That was really good. Awesome. I a love, skillet, right? I love you? a good waffle. Yeah, just And having a waffle maker is pretty special. You're a breakfast guy. Yeah, but I uh, haven't used it a whole lot, I'm to be honest with you. Um, I feel like... When I gave my folks uh, the land that they were that they built their house on, that was kind of the gift that kept on giving, and so it was kind of like a Christmas birthday thing. When did you do that? Uh, that I bought the land back in two thousand seven. We started building the house. Okay, and when did they? When was the house completed? Uh, oh wait, and that was. Uh, the best gift I've ever—that's pretty cool—ever given. So well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say that. In that spirit, I didn't buy any land for you, but uh, our friend Kyle, who you know very well, uh, our mutual friend, got this for you, and it's my job to present it to you. It is your own official Shasta College T-shirt. Why would you I wear want a that Shasta you College like. T-shirt? Well, uh, we're, you know, maybe to. I'm, I'm wearing. Stanford, you know, maybe some days you're I feeling contrarian. I will never wear this, uh, but thank you very much. <laughs> this will be, uh, you know. You're going to re-gift it? Yeah, I was actually reading the stat today about uh, 27% of the gifts are re-gifted <laughs> or something, and and it's a high percentage of that it was because they didn't like the gift yeah. or whatever. Well, we left I the tags yeah, on. I'm going to so, re, re-gift this. Okay. Yeah. You got anybody in mind? No, okay. not yet. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, Yeah, there you go. We will do this again uh, next week, although you need to figure out when we're TBD. doing this. TBD. You and your TBD. You know, I've got bosses and stuff that kind of want to T-minus uh, two days to figure out what we're going to do. Huh? Uh, okay, so we will do this next week. There will be a show. It will not be on Christmas Day. You'll be celebrating our Lord's birth that day, but we will do it. We will talk about the game against the Titans. We will look ahead to the finale against Adrian Peterson and the Minnesota Vikings and talk about what happens in between. This has been... The Aaron Rodgers Show. Merry Christmas.